Yo, y'all listen up. I got something to say. I'm going to speak the truth to you, but some of y'all, you took a shortcut, a convenience this summer. You was like, coach ain't here. The season's weeks away. I got time. Are you kidding me? As a college athlete, you got four, maybe five years to be great or be forgotten. So are you home taking it easy? Somebody else is out there in the heat just about killing itself to make their name great. But you got time. Yeah, 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 yeah. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down of my soul. And I don't back down at it all. Find out when the cannons explode. From the sidelines down to the post. Put it down like not even close. All out to the last whistle blow. For the flag with the soul and crossbones. Everybody stand up, get your hands up. Let a team know that we got they back. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? Thank y'all for joining us here for another episode of Athletes Table Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Craft, and alongside me is the Lebanese Stallion and Mr. Aaron Cooper, Mr. AC. What's going Reed on? Reed himself. It's me. I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we got an incredible episode today. Um, an incredible individual that we're going to bring on. Uh, before we get into it, though, just a couple of announcements. Thank y'all for giving us our feedback on our Instagram, Facebook, our brand new TikTok pages. I know we're trying to grow that right now, but I appreciate y'all giving me all the feedback that y'all are. It's really helping us out a lot. So we know kind of what to give y'all going into the future. Um, Make sure you go on our website, hit that link for the Athletes Table Podcast shop, pick up your Athletes Table Podcast merch alongside with our Pirates by 90 stuff. We might have some new stuff coming in. We got some R&D with some throwback throwback yeah we got some other schools might be coming out there with the that's true that's very true it might it might not just be the pirates my man so we're really excited for that to come out um also be on the lookout for our gofundme page for the children's miracle network you got one month left on that page one month left that's very true um and make sure y'all set your schedule for november 3rd through november 5th we don't know exactly which day we'll let you know going into it what days we're going to be out there but might end up doing a live show. Uh, we really enjoyed doing it the last time, and I definitely want to be able to do it again. So I'm definitely thinking about Friday when it's busy. November right. Or that, Saturday. Saturday might be a really good day for it before the football game. Depends. Well, nobody's, everybody's going to be tailgating. I don't know if they'll be out there for – Oh, we just do it out of the tailgate. We, we can figure that out. We can mm. figure something out. Didn't think about that. No. We'll get, we'll get ACO there to do a shotgun right in front of everybody. Okay. I haven't done one of those, in a long time. <laughs> but but uh, that's that's the last bit of announcements for me. Um, I'm gonna throw it over here to the Lebanese Stallion to bring us our player segment. Point of this podcast, like you know, and what we're trying to get out to people is everyone's journey is different. Winners and try to strip them to take away that they're just good. Yeah, just admit that's they're good. The funny thing about this game, you fail seventy percent of the time. As long as you can have the determination, never give up have the world in your hands. The greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but rising in every single time we fall. Dude, we got a great one today. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the Celtic warrior assassin. I know I added an extra word in there, but it deserves it. This man is fighting like there's no tomorrow in the MMA circuit. He is soon to be a pro. He is in the featherweight class. We are here to welcome Timothy Tim Below. Balo. Got it. Balo. No problem. Butchered it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no problem whatsoever. I appreciate it. So, so, um, it's, it's okay. If I can't laugh at myself, who else is going to, like, who else is it going to do it for well, me? Well, I work Absolutely. on that. Oh, I know. I know. But <laughs> we're so glad that you're here and we're so honored that you chose to be on the show. Um, but welcome. Thank you. It's it's an honor. It's always great to do um shows that either I reach out or the other way around. So it's always great, especially I don't know. People think I have some sort of message or something. So <laughs> <I try> to... <laughs> we all got a message. It's just whether you want to receive that message is the real question. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> and Dylan told me about you when we first started the podcast, and I was like, "Dude, we got to have him on just whenever works out for you, works out for us." And it just seems like this is the perfect week to do it. 
And the good thing is your episode is going to be out this Tuesday. So everybody tune in for sure on Tuesday. Awesome. So, uh, Dylan, Ali, why don't you go ahead and start it since you guys grew up together? Definitely, man. Um, yeah, so we we kind of start the show a little bit the same, um, just going in and we kind of branch out from there because I know you got we got a lot to talk about with um, your story. But uh, just starting out, man, give us a little idea of what your roots were like. Uh, where'd you come from? Family life, um, just your passions and everything growing up as a kid in North Carolina. Yeah, so uh, was uh, raised in the small town of Burgaw that nobody knows about. Um, uh, loving family, really caring family. They they came from New York, um, Orange County, New York, uh, okay. somewhere around like the upstate area. Mm-hmm. Um, they then my parents then went from New Mexico to have my first brother, and then back up to New York to have my second. And then they just planted their roots here in North Carolina, and we haven't moved here or we haven't left here in twenty eight, twenty nine years now. Uh-huh. Um. And, um, so it's, mine is a little different compared to my two brothers, uh, in terms of like, uh, being diagnosed with high function. Well, at first it was autism at four years old. Um, my mom could probably tell you a lot more stories than I can, but what, how I remember it is, uh, not really a pleasant time, you know, and my mom, she's really the, the hero in in you know my development because as soon as there was a diagnosis there's immediately like what do we need to do like how i'm talking i'm talking to you right now and stuff like that in terms of speech um as much education as you can even though that education part is uh, a little sketchy uh which i will go into detail in a bit um yeah you know um going through the school system um for the lack of a better term, uh, it was hell, uh, except for high school. Uh, elementary school, it was just, just always the struggle, especially um, being told at third grade from my mother that I have autism. And I didn't understand what that meant mm-hmm. at the time until like later down the road. So it was um, uh, until... Uh, until I got into middle school, it just became way more of a challenge. Into like I, I was learning all I could, mm-hmm. but um, the classrooms that they had me in were more so for the kids that were they either had some form of behavioral problems or and they struggled academic academically. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my friends were in the normal classrooms, like they were going through like um you know, they were doing like really good in school and stuff like that. And I try, I kept up and I was like, I want to be in the classrooms with them. Why can't I? It was always a, it was always a battle with my mom and the, and the teachers and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it sucked. Like it was very depressing. Like I was always in probably in horrible moods. I was always negative a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely affected like my relationship with family and friends sometimes. It, it was it was a struggle and then um and my dad's in the picture too just to clarify this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like my dad was always putting food on the table being yeah. a he was a mover for the east coast and stuff like that okay. he was a he was a he's an awesome dad like he, he still takes care of us to his to this day and stuff like that I want to make sure I want to add him into that not to make it just all my mom here <laughs> no, absolutely and, and um yeah um so actually my passion was military service um and it's it came about because i was more into a lot of like um military type stuff actually it had something to do with star wars i'm a nerd i'm a star wars nerd and a lot of people will probably think of like the whole the jedi no it was actually clones clone troopers if you look like if i won't go into a juicy dive into that but it just put it shorten it if you ever look at the clone characters in like the tv series and stuff like that with Hmm. honor duty and stuff and just like Hmm. how our military are and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i was just like infatuated with all military service and stuff like that 
um, one of my workers, that's what I call them. They were they, like um, babysitters for the, for people on the spectrum, whatever. Okay. Um, the best way I can describe it. Uh, my work, one of my workers was going in to the Marine Corps. Oh. Um, and she showed me the, uh, their website and how that whole process goes. Mm-hmm. And I was infatuated with it. I was like, this is, this is awesome. Like, I, I don't know. I was just so infatuated with it. I was always into like warrior type culture mm-hmm. from, from the samurais to, to Vikings, to all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. I'm like, uh, that's, so, that's been like my biggest passion. Uh, and um, so I went to Paris Island and that was like, that was great. Like it was a really good experience to see that. Mm-hmm. And then later down the line, my cousin did that, but he was in the reserves and uh, going there twice. That's definitely like a, a plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how early were you whenever you started, like you saw like the website and how everything worked and how early were you whenever you got that first exposure to all that? Uh, 10, 11, 10 okay. years old, middle school age. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, and then like hobbies like airsoft came into play, which I still do now, but it's like a lot more, uh, serious mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, like getting to the serious type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Airsoft very yeah, makes it very serious. I was going to say, oh, yeah. I heard paintball that... is really serious too. Like really, yeah. really. Yeah. I heard that like oh, the yeah. kids in Denmark are insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you see like a YouTube channel called oh what was it scottish doggy like okay. all those videos and stuff like that oh my god they're insane i think like, I've i mean you can, pretty dope. You, so, yeah. some of them are just like as intense as if they were overseas for a yeah, war yeah. somewhere it's yeah. pretty sweet <laughs> yeah but yeah i had i had that well i to an extent i still have that type of desire but it's kind of died down especially later on down the road and um yeah so it was that I'm trying to think if there's anything else there. Um, so yeah, like like I said, elementary school, middle school were just always hell. It was just always hell. And then like right around the time where high school was going to be coming up soon, I was like, and I didn't play any sports. I I didn't. I was not really infatuated with baseball or football or anything yeah. like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It was just not my type of thing. Right. Right. I, I mean, I keep up with it through friends. Yeah. Like that. See, I figured wrestling was more like the thing you'd been interested in, with, especially with going into like MMA type stuff. So <laughs> you would think that. Yeah. But I, I did not do that as well. No. No. I didn't, really I didn't do any. Yeah. No. Um, that just to get like I watched UFC um, a few times during that time period and then i didn't watch it until i got into like later high school um so right when i was coming into high school like uh freshman year before freshman year i was like all right i'm going to be going to somewhere new hopefully to get away from the people that i was always near and stuff like that hopefully different and it like heidi trask high school saved my life in terms of just me getting out of the depressed state and stuff like that the people i've met and um you know the friendships i've i've had and stuff like that uh well two things were happening one i was going to do track because track is very much ingrained in my family on both on my mom and dad's side mm-hmm. uh my aunt on my dad's side uh was very big in her college years uh, i can't remember what college exactly but she was very big in uh, her college track team uh for my mom she did track as well but it was also during the time where um women were kind of discriminated uh-huh. or it was the final years of that and then her sister did it did it and did she did phenomenal during her time and uh went to college for it and met my uncle there so and then a few cousins here there did it um and my my brother my oldest brother did it as well and then i was like all right i'll do track i mean i have no problem running yeah and um i was a uh long distance runner okay well see track it's one of those things like 
it will be very good. Like, especially with somebody like you, that's like, you're big in the military. So military and track have very strong similarities because it's so structured. Everything is very structured, compartmentalized. It's very analytical. Like I've met so many people through my track career in college that were military based or they came from military or something like that because they're so ingrained with that compartmentalized analytical mindset and it just it works it it works every single time so i could definitely see how you went into track and field and it actually worked very very well for you because i remember whenever you were in high school a lot of people talked about you for your track and your uh track career i tend to get that for some reason it, it, <laughs> i found that odd at first i was just like how do people know me when they i don't i mean i don't know i found it i found it strange <laughs> Even people from Pender, even people from Pender knew me, and I didn't know them. And I was like, "How the fuck did they know me?" <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm famous. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, really. What I'm talking about. That's Penco too. Penco. Everybody knows everybody somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the, in the second thing I wanted to do, because I was so interested in military service and stuff like that, I went into the uh, the Jersey C program. Okay. I uh, did that for three and a half years. I wanted to do four, but I had to do a semester with a PE or something like that. Um, and um, I did, I think I did well. <laughs> uh, my, my second oldest was in the first semester during his time in high school. He came out as a private. Hmm. I came out a little bit more than that. <laughs> um, yeah. During, <laughs> during that time, uh, during the three years, uh, or three and a half years, rather, uh, I got out of there as a uh, lieutenant, uh, a lieutenant colonel, a cadet lieutenant colonel. Um, I, I became became a battalion commander uh, for the remainder of my senior year, or yeah, half of my senior year and stuff like that. Um, at one point, it was um, it was at my colonel or my instructor brought. Uh, he brought in a news team to kind of celebrate that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's somewhere in the ethos, somewhere out there. But uh, I was doing that. I, you know, just trying to make a point and doing the Raider team. Uh, it's the Raider team is the like the physical fitness team basically, and you just go through a bunch of like uh, depending on where you go, it's like um, just different types of like um, structured type of games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, not games. Uh, scenarios uh just anything physical is what it is yeah um and me in particular obviously i was good at running and pt tests and it's just uh it was just a phenomenal time i had a good relationship with everybody there it was yeah it's one of those things i really miss yeah it fit you perfectly if everything you wanted and it seemed to be the right way uh, so you end up graduating. What what kind of caused you to search for the MMA circuit type thing? So during high school, it was like my senior year. I went up to a Marine Corps recruiter and told her that what I was doing. My mother, obviously, being the worried mother and also I mean, being the worried mother that she was, understandably, she's not into violence and stuff like that. Uh, it's very difficult to get her to see one of my fights in person. <laughs> Understand, understandably, absolutely. Uh, but during, but during that time, she was more into like, she was not like, like she was okay with me having that passion and wanting to do that. But mm-hmm. there was also more of an emphasis on a backup, and I didn't have one. I really didn't. Like, I was like, yeah. this is, I, I don't think about anything else other than this. Mm-hmm. And college was one of those things. And it was like, they don't, unless I'm wrong, they don't have anything that really helps. Like, yeah, in terms right. of that, unless I went into the, unless I did so well in charity C that I would get a scholarship for that, then mm-hmm. yeah, then there we go. Yeah. But nothing came of that because of my lack of, Unfortunately, my in terms of academically, it wasn't really the best. Mm-hmm. I I was trying, I was trying, but I was not getting help in that department. 
So I told, and my mom was like, you need to tell her that you have autism. And I did. And the reaction I got from that recruiter was pretty heartbreaking. Um, I did not hear from that Marine Corps, uh, Marine Corps recruiter after that, after I told her. Uh, I went to a National Guard recruiter and he was static about me because, and he's deemed to be like the number one National Guard recruiter in the state, allegedly. I don't know. Yeah. Clearly, because he didn't fucking get me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <I love> it. <laughs> yeah, um, freaking, and, um, so I tell him the same thing, and he was like, all right, I'll look into it, whatever. And so I, I get like, you know, minutes go by, and he's like, hey, due to what you have, you are disqualified from service and stuff like that. And that was very, very heartbreaking. Yeah. It was like, it was very, very, very depressing. And he was like, okay, so what we can do is if you were able to do well in the MET or the ASVAB, excuse me, do well in the ASVAB, which was a long shot for me in particular, because I just, I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm not, I just, I just didn't graduate smart it, it, academically. Uh, and, you know, just try to study as best you can. And, and I did to the best of my ability, um, went to MEPS, uh, went to MEPS with him and another recruit that he was, that was already ready to go. She just needed orders or whatever yeah. the case was. Went there for the weekend. And then like, once you're done with the test, then there's that whole waiting period. And then you get called into an office getting tell, told you did not make it and then you kind of just have to sit there and you kind of wait for your recruiter to pick you up along with the recruiter or the along with the recruit that was already getting picked up and ready to go yeah and that's like holding back that was just holding back tears and stuff like that so it sucks so at this point uh we need to have another war and a draft to get going to get me into service but <laughs> that's something i know i never want to I yeah. To. <laughs> yeah yeah wow so you didn't have so, a backup at all so did you didn't hear from any schools about track and field or anything like that you never heard one school reach out to you about possibly going to a college for that i i received one letter um it was right around the time in 2013 because our team our uh, track team won state uh, yeah i was gonna ask about that next yeah um I did get one letter from uh, a school. Uh, my and again, it was back to my mom seeing like, do they have like a um, academic or occuprep uh, program there and stuff like that? And like, well, no, they don't, because that was probably like the only way for me to get into a school or something like that. And well, that kind of defeats the purpose of me. You wanting me to go to college. I oh, and there's like I said, there's nothing. There wasn't anything there for me, so I picked up MMA because like going backwards again, uh, like tenth uh, grade, uh, there was a there was an MMA gym in Burgaw. It's still there. Uh, they're gonna start moving in inside the town of Burgaw pretty soon. Uh, called Line Stress. I owe everything to them. I first went there uh in tenth grade. Um, just uh, because a friend recommended for me and he was going for a little bit. Um, I met a girl there, uh, dated her for a while, uh, and lasted about like maybe four months or five months or so. And I was like, well, there's no really point for me to be here. And also I was doing my track and jerky stuff. So I, I didn't think of anything of it again. This was right around the time Conor McGregor was getting popular mm -hmm. or he was popping off to go for um, oh, nah. the championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, uh, and my first, like my favorite fighter is actually George St. Pierre. Me and him, I would like to think we're pretty similar in terms of like bullying because there was a lot of bullying going on for me as well. Mm -hmm. same thing for him 
I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't pick fights. I was not more of, I was more of a talker, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't like, if I needed the fight, I would, I would, but you know, I was very blessed to have friends that would have my back if for whatever reason, like the person who was trying to do me wrong, especially physically, they would come in and to help. So I was protected pretty well. And then, um, yeah. So all that military stuff fell through and I came back to Linescrest and I was like, well, I want to be a fighter because I was looking into it and stuff like that. And oh. um, uh, July of 2015 is when I started. It's also when I started the full-time job that I have uh, mm-hmm. in, a metal fa- in a metal factory in Burgos. And, mm-hmm. um, and we had some, we had maybe two or three like MMA guys in there training. And mm-hmm. I trained for about a good year a year and a half because like uh, what was it? It was a uh, somewhere around 2016. Um, a promotion in Wilmington called Battle in the South was looking for uh, an opponent. Uh, two weeks notice. So at that time, I was I was a walking around 135. Wow. They were looking for a 125er in two weeks. <laughs> oh, My yeah, it it sucked. Um, especially getting ready. I pretty much starved myself, which is not is something you never want to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is me. Sometime after high school, I was a walking around thirty five or practically high school, all through high school, and um, yeah, just trying to cut down to one twenty five, and that was hell. And then we get to weigh in, and I did mine. The opponent that was supposed to be there uh, was not there so uh then they put me in a grappling match so pretty much that that match was scrapped and then so all right i'm put in a grappling match and um so it's like five minutes before the the event starts and they can't find they can't find my opponent for a grappling match (laughs) (laughs) So after that, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go and eat like shit and just get back to 35 and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I had maybe one or two people ducking at the time. but And then we finally had a a date set for um, Next Level Fight Club. I fought on January 27th. January 27th. Yeah, January 27th of 2017 oh wow and that was uh there are pictures actually there's picture there's a particular picture that i find funny of me kind of like bug-eyed and why and i'm like what the fuck did i just get myself into (laughs) (laughs) that fight or flight instinct kicked in right there (laughs) yeah it it is funny like i think it's like when i'm like looking at my hands for like rap and stuff like that but i was like like everything was set and done, like made weight. Opponent finally showed up, <laughs> and um, I was, and then like just waiting for the you know your name to be called and stuff like that. And at the same time, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" And I was like, "You know, no, this is what I was." Something came out of this, and what was cool is my coach uh knows UFC fighter, or I don't know if he's former UFC fighter now, but Derek Brunson. Mm-hmm. So he he knew my he knew my coach or he knows my coach rather, and um, and that was cool. Like he got to see my amateur debut. He, you know, it, it's cool that a UFC fighter knows you exist. Yeah, yeah, that's always especially really especially making it up, trying to make it up through the ranks to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a super good match. It like um, I, yeah. It was like there was like there was so much I can't really think of, but um, yeah, that it was very like finally something that makes sense, especially yeah. from the past stuff. Yeah, then, like, we'll uh, had... we'll uh, we'll pick right up right after that after this commercial break. Um, on the on the other side, make sure y'all tune in to hear a little bit more about the how to climb that ladder for the UFC MMA type stuff, and then. We'll get more in depth into your story going soon, so be sure to stay tuned. Some days I have to ask myself, 
Why don't I have a specific towel to clean my balls with? Am I really the three putt king? Is wearing leopard print on a golf course acceptable? Well, where we may not have the answers, you can find them at shankagolf.com. Here, you can find high quality golfing apparel that makes you laugh even after you check that 102 on the scorecard. Be sure to use discount code JOINTHETABLE15 at checkout to take 15% off your entire order. Again, use discount code JOINTHETABLE15 at checkout to take 15% off of your entire order. Shank it golf. Keep your balls clean. Welcome back to the Athletes Table. We are here with the Celtic Assassin, Tim. <laughs> I saw Dylan's face. <laughs> he was just waiting. waiting to I thought that was part of a name to pronounce. Well, Nick's from across the pond. That's the issue. You look at the <laughs> spelling, and it, it looks like Balo. <laughs> but then I saw your face, and then I was like, I'm going to say this wrong now because of what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> but, anyways, we are here with the Celtic. We're not doing it. Yeah, you're lucky we're not doing this in person. He'd whip your ass. No, I'll let you stand in front of me, Dylan, first. You can take the hits, and then I'll take it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tire out on you first. (laughs) But we are here with the Celtic Assassin, number seven in North Carolina, number 29 in South Carolina, and number 345 in the Southeast. We are talking about his time as becoming an amateur MMA fighter to pursuing that UFC contract at some point here. Uh, Dylan, I'll let you go ahead and bring it right back to where we were. Yeah, so you were talking about that first initial fight that you had, Derek Brunson's there. Um, big time moment for you, even though you realize I don't really know why I'm here and I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing, but I'm here. So we might as well make the most out of it. Um, take us through the emotions going through that first fight. How how exactly did you even prepare for this? Uh, just listening to what the coaches tell you, you know, um, just like going over the game plan, like like just over and over and over and over again, getting like honing in the skills, especially. Um, I'm I'm more into grat or. My primary background would be uh, jujitsu, uh, a blue belt for four years. Well, I mean, but during that first uh, first fight, I was a white belt, uh, but my my grappling was like way superior than my striking was, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just always that, uh, just and just um, waiting for your name to be called is kind of it sucks. Especially in the regional circuit, um, there are times where you're there from like a certain time in the morning or early afternoon to pretty much late at night, kind of thing. Um, especially now, for some reason, I don't know why it's it's, mm-hmm. it's nuts. It's super nuts, but you know, it's just the waiting, um, just making sure you're good to go, making sure you have like water and a tiny bit of food and stuff like that. And obviously if it's your first fight, um, you're, you're, I, I was shitting a brick. I was just like, <laughs> I, like I said, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, but, just, <laughs> and then once you walk out there, it's like, all right, you gotta just let it go and stuff like that. And luckily we got the outcome that we got. So mm-hmm. we just, we we moved from the from there. My my coach already had like two or another fight set up like two more months down the road on the, in battle in the battle in the south, um, and stuff like that. And we just did the same thing over. It was, yeah. Okay, so where all do you? Because I know very little about the the regional circuits and everything for. UFC and different types of fighting and everything else. So, like, where primarily will you fight? Like, do you travel a lot to go to a lot of these fights, or how exactly are are you working on that? Kind of, in terms of fighting, you kind of have to be in a, in a gym that's very like not interconnected, but that will promote the, like the regional circuits and their gyms and stuff like that. Or you just happen to have an MMA coach that kind of just knows. Um, it, it's all by playing by ear and you kind of have to look for it 
Mm-hmm. Um, the farthest I've gone is um, in Hickory, <clears throat> up in Hickory, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, for majority of my or all my fights have been either in North Carolina or South Carolina. Okay. Um, but yeah, it you just gotta you normally just have to play by ear, especially if you're in the gym and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you have an MMA coach that will want or will that will give you that chance. You kind of have to prove it. Yeah. Um, so did, is that the reason why that you chose this coach in particular for his promoting and being able to have the ability to get these fights and everything? Um, is that a factor with choosing coaches? Well, it all happened in coincidence in it for, for me anyway. Um, it was just like, he was training at Lions Crest. Uh, he had two fighters there at the time. And then by the time around 20, 17 2018 i was the last mma fighter there so like um and they were still like uh connections but it was all done by me in terms of like where i wanted to fight and stuff like that so they they were always wondering like if they can make it or not and stuff like that because my mma coach left around 2018 to for personal reasons and stuff like that i mean still still good with each other but you know but i still had coaches there that were still kind of taken off where where he left off and stuff like that absolutely so did uh fast forwarding a little bit 2017 you get your first fight in after a little bit you're getting fight after fight you're gaining some confidence you're getting in a role about how things are going and everything then COVID hits did COVID start affecting a lot of different aspects of getting fights, how the fights are ran, um, how training is done. Now, I know that would be a big thing too. Um, did it affect y'all very much like we've seen with the collegiate side? Uh, for, for me, it sucked not going to the gym. Uh, but like during that time, I was kind of like on the down low anyway, because like uh, because of fights prior to that, like I think I was like in a slump of like two losses in a row at the time and then leading up to like December of 2020 I think is when I had my third straight loss and stuff like that I mean it did I mean it sucked but like I don't I mean I would you know I don't like to think of like COVID did any I don't know it's weird I just like you know I was in the down low anyway so I was like all right well and then when finally we were able to go to the gym then i was like all right go pick it up i don't know i don't like this i i try not to point fingers at certain things but like yeah so when is your next fight so uh my last amateur fight was of um september actually around this time actually i think it was like yesterday uh, around the time frame (laughs) um that during that time it sucked because I was going through like some personal problems, some mental problems. Like I got out of a pretty abusive narcissistic relationship mm-hmm. at that time. Um, after that fight, so I was I so during this time I I was given the blessing to go to a different gym. I actually train at Derek Brunson's gym now in uh, Wilmington. Uh-huh. Um, I know a lot of those. I know a lot of those guys and they, and there's a lot more fighters there for me to train and stuff like that. So I do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just like taking care of my, taking care of myself during that time, especially after that, that time that I had. And, um, you know, I don't train as often, but around like I've people have been asking that, that same question. I would like to like, I'll start picking up, especially like I'm gaining more and more of my confidence and everything like that back. And I, and I want to look for something in 2024, Okay, maybe down in the middle somewhere, but you know, yeah. You know, just one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how we see the UFC fighters and they, they train, you know, five, six, seven days a week with it being an amateur league, trying to make your way up there um, and having a full-time job on, on top of that. How many days a week are you roughly training? Uh, when I was doing it hardcore, uh, uh, from Monday through Friday, okay. um, I've been doing it. Okay. These days, because I'm 
do, you know, taking care of myself and stuff like that. I get in maybe three to two, sometimes one. It depends. But obviously, when I start kicking it back up, I want to get back into five days or yeah. four, okay. you know. And so kind of take us through the what is the process of turning pro, like getting, I don't know if it's considered like getting a pro card or something like that. I just, I'm ignorant of this. So I'm learning here. It's very <laughs> yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But uh, what is the process of like taking that next step and turning pro in right. what you do this? Yeah. So in, in terms like for the eyes of the athletic commission, you have to have at least five amateur fights. Okay. I've had nine. Unfortunately, <laughs> I I should have stopped, stopped at five. Uh, it's because I was trying to go for like the title, like championships and stuff like that. But you know, I failed at that three times, so that wasn't going my direction. I was like, "All right, so we just need to go ahead and go pro at this point." But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you have to have five amateur fights at most, and then you just like you just keep having re you just still go through the regionals, but you're a pro now. And you tr and people just try to get on, you know, they just got to hear by ear from like a promotion that will have like maybe a scout will find you or something like that for whatever uh, organization like the UFC or Bellator or one championship, probably not one championship, but uh, Bellator and UFC in particular. So, um, or any of the ones that are similar in terms of regionals and stuff like that. Does it open up a lot of different avenues for like different fights, different arenas, everything you can get in having that pro beside your name? I would imagine so. It can. It, it most certainly can. Okay. Yeah. This is a whole different realm for me. I, I, I mean, like I watch the UFC, so I'm yeah. learning, I know that side of stuff. And I've started watching, what is it, Premier amateur fighting or something like that the one that's sometimes on espn um i can't think what his name's nephew is on there or son is on there um they'll come to me later i just can't think who it is uh he was a boxer and his son's now on there but anyways it's it's definitely a lot different than every other sport the way to become a pro you know, from just all the all the stories I've heard on whether it's on ESPN or whether it's your story or whatever, the story of becoming a pro is ten times different than somebody going in basketball, football, baseball. Um, it's a lot more dedication to the sport for sure. You really have to love the sport to be able to go through it that long, and to fight. Not the fights necessarily, but the fight the days that you don't want to go to the gym to keep working, oh, to yeah. keep training for that next fight. Um, as well as you have to earn everything you do. Yeah. Whereas most like most professional sports like basketball, football, soccer, you're kind of you kind of get a name basically when you're young. You're like, oh, he's he's a hell of a player. He'll become yeah. pro one day. Or well, it's MMA, it's MMA. Yeah, MMA is basically, at least for me watching it, is just a lot more of all right, you're gonna beat somebody up. They might beat you up as well. But if you win, you're gonna keep moving up in the world. That's just as simple as it is. But a lot of people can't get past that fact. We're like, oh, but my, you know, my dad or my mom was a fighter or something like that. Or my dad or mom was like in the military, like super big in the military. So I should be that good as well. Nah, all of it's, it's always earned. Yeah. It's also makes very it very connection based too. Like it's, yes, yes. And usually most sports are connection based. Um, this one's 10 times. This one's like way above <laughs> on a lot of the other yeah. ones we've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So. It's definitely a good point of view to hear from too, because you're you're still you're working your way up, and you have that opportunity now to be a pro fighter. So it's it's kind of cool to hear the transition of when you're, you know, you're thinking about transitioning into that pro fighter instead of staying on the amateur circuit like you are, and and it's 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 interesting to hear because you don't hear this kind of story just anywhere because the only other sport or athletics that you hear about this is is like wwe or aew where they have to fight all these small fights for you know 5 10 15 years travel the country on their own dime yep. you know all that kind of stuff and then one day they'll get discovered and that's kind of how this sounds as well um it's just one of those like you're in the right place at the right time, time. absolutely yeah for sure absolutely mm -hmm. it's definitely it, it definitely is like that 
So one thing we do like to ask on here, and it's not not about the uh not about um any advice yet, but one thing we do like to ask is where do you see yourself in the next five years in UFC or MMA fighting? Five years. Um, <laughs> you know, definitely in 2024, I would like to get back on it like a lot more than I am doing now. Mm-hmm. And just hopefully just like earn a shot somewhere, somewhere mm-hmm. big. UFC, Bellator, one championship, mm-hmm. any of those three big promotions in particular okay world championship level type stuff you know i would like to you know hone all the skills that i can and just you know mm-hmm. just be able to i don't know just be able to do something you know just be able to do something different you know yeah not be not be in the dark place that i was many 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 years ago i like just like that had that had the end and yeah right just just wanted to do what i want to do yeah absolutely so i'm also curious too so as for your training purposes and you have this you have this goal you have this mission you're trying to get what are you doing right now going into 2024 that's going to get you to that point like what what are some stuff that you're trying to learn what like stuff that you're wanting to work on and build whether it's like um you're in jujitsu so like you're trying to build to a higher one or are you learning a different skill or some stuff like that what is some stuff that you're working on right now to gain um to gain progress to go into that goal yeah so my uh my my striking ability um is a lot more better than uh i when i first started obviously um especially going at uh derek's gym like a lot of the guys that are wanting to be fighters or are fighters, they're either amateur or pro. I mm-hmm. spar a lot of them or I train with a lot of them. And in terms of striking, like I think my striking is like, it's definitely a lot better than I had in my last, my last fight. Because like, yeah. if you ever see, if you ever see footage of it, 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 you can tell there's a difference there. Um, like, I would be able to kick my younger version's ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how you can tell if you got better. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I am like, you know, just honing my ability to do a lot more in the striking game. Uh, in terms of my jujitsu, you know, I'm learning from some great jujitsu coach, coaches. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'm still always blessed to be able to go back to Lions Crest. And they're more into they're more of a jujitsu gym than anything. Uh, they do kar- like karate kickboxing and stuff like that, but their main thing is like jujitsu. So every once in a while, I will do my best to like make it down there and do some jujitsu with them as well. So just like just always improving, especially into my stand up game, is the, the most important component. But you know, so what, what, to on it. What, what are your martial arts? I know you said jujitsu, but is that the only one you have? as your background or do you have multiple um like jujitsu karate uh trying to think some of the other ones um the brazilian stuff like all that what are your backgrounds in that necessarily yeah yeah so my background is in brazilian jujitsu i'm a blue belt i've been a blue belt for four years yeah four years uh should be purple at some point soon if ever yeah whatever um (laughs) Uh, in my in line in the Lions Crest like uh, karate system, I'm a green belt. Okay. They they do more like a kickboxing basis, but you know, okay. and I've turned like my kickboxing and and I train to Muay Thai. Okay. Uh, just like kickboxing Muay Thai. So those are mainly the things there. Yeah. And that's about it. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I know everybody has like their specialty. Like a lot of people are Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and some people focus more on the uh, grappling side of stuff and you know, everything. So I just didn't know which way you kind of went besides just Jiu Jitsu. Um, like most, most of my wins have been from, or act all of my wins have been from submission. Okay. Okay. Dang. That's impressive. What's, what's your favorite move to do? What's your favorite submission hold? It's kind of hard because, like, I can be kind of like sneaky with whatever I pull. I, I now these days, I I kind of wing it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's 
because some things I'll just pull out of my ass. Like, <laughs> in- <laughs> it's mostly what uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, oh, the, the one, the exactly. one I, yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, the one I've been pretty good at getting, uh, especially in one of my fights, I was able to get like a, a really good triangle, like a, yeah. a triangle setup is usually the best for, mm-hmm. for me anyway. And I've developed my own move, actually, which is oh. you don't hear <laughs> that very like, often. Yeah, no, well, I'm sure it's I'm sure there's a name for something, but it's like it's uh, hard to explain. It's kind of like um, if I was on my back and you had me in like side control, mm-hmm. and I was able to wrap my arms on one of your arms and the other arm with my legs, and I kind of like stretch it out, oh, kind of like. Oh, I don't like oh, oh, chiropractor. Like a... Oh, God. Watch your so, name with that. Yeah. That'd be great. The chiropractor. <laughs> I actually, it actually has a name. It's called the blood, the bloody. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And already tapping out. Uh... Jesus. Painful <laughs> as hell. Ooh. Just going to twist your arm, spread you a little bit. Your back's not going to feel the same, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> oh that's interesting that's cool though I, I haven't heard of that one yet um no I, because <laughs> I, I think that's really kind of quite an interesting move to do to be able to pull that off you have to be very flexible it sounds like uh i mean yeah kind of <laughs> kind of kind of yeah oh man Oh, um, stallion pisses me off. You'll you'll get the bloody for sure. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. It's that so wrong. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's more you better make that into a cut for this episode. That will be a cut. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a hail mary more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be. That's a good, good description of it, I think. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, geez, Dylan. <laughs> um, so one thing we do like to ask on this show all the time is that next generation coming up who wants to pursue UFC or wants to pursue a track career or um, any sport out there, what is some advice you'd give them um, on how to achieve or you know how to go through life or anything like that? What, what is something you would want to say down to that next generation? It's always just consistency in terms of for the martial arts. If you want to get into being a UFC fighter, you can't just go to a gym and be like, I want to be an MMA fighter or I want to be a cage fighter. Because then all of a sudden they come with an ego. You got to go in there without, with no ego at all. Like I've, I've in the gym and in anything in general, I don't really have ego. Like, Mm. like if, uh, especially when I'm learning, like I learn from the people that have done this and mm-hmm. people that are possibly new to it and they're obsessed about it like i am stuff like that. yeah uh it's just always you know consistency and you gotta leave the ego out of the door mm-hmm. uh, especially because no one's gonna like for <laughs> for example you can't just walk into Derek brunson's gym and expect to get a, a contract for um for the ufc mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of have to prove it yeah. <laughs> well, you have to prove it in the amateurs and then the regional scene, and then hopefully some networking will happen. Then. It's just, yeah. like it's, yeah, it's just always just, you know, consistency and like have a good worth ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that ego is it's just like you said. And if you work with any any kids or anybody coming up through the ranks and all that, we all had egos. I'm sorry, everybody had an ego, some bigger oh, than So, like, and the problem and we never understood why people told us not to have egos and you yeah. understand when you get older egos build walls and you can't see through those walls but what's on the other side is what you need to be better mm-hmm. but maybe to get that next level contract that scholarship whatever it is what yeah whatever that goal that you're trying to reach your ego is a reason why you're not going to get there because you're not going to listen to this person that you think is wrong mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it is mm-hmm. but we don't we never understood that being younger and the older that we get the wiser that we get because we see and hear people just like you talking about it now mm-hmm. 
you get over those adversities through listening to people that went through adversity. Yeah. And if you're egotistical and prideful and think that you just got the world figured out, well, buddy, you're going to have a long life. And this, and this is a good reminder for all those kids out there too, because you know you got basketball trials coming out soon, you got wrestling trials coming up soon, you got a lot. I mean, football obviously has already happened. Some, I think, soccer for one of those, you know, male or female, I'm not sure, has already happened. But you're gonna have all these sports coming to try out here in the next month or so. So it's a good reminder for all those youngsters listening out there. Tangibles, Stuff exactly. Teach, mm-hmm. and just like you said, work ethic discipline all that stuff that's not, that's not teachable skills now it, it, it can be ingrained in you mm-hmm. but yeah. that's painful mm-hmm. learning discipline is painful yeah it's very painful so my knees yeah. already hurt thinking about it uh <laughs> yeah my knees <laughs> my back okay but uh, I I absolutely love what you said there, man. We haven't had anybody talk about that yet, but it's such a strong aspect to training and developing youth and just bringing up that next generation that we're trying to do. Leave your ego at the door. I mean, we have a good example of this from um, ECU's football team, Mason Garcia. Huge ego coming into college, thought he was going to be the next great quarterback because he's the highest uh, recruit ever to come to ECU or, you know, at least in the last 20 years or whatever. And look, couldn't complete more than like five passes a game. Half of them were in the dirt. Half of them were 100 yards overthrown. But now he's not even starting. Sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a good example of somebody who had a big ego and now he's getting humbled to buy it. Like I said, it's painful. Mm Mm-hmm. Very painful, but exactly. Um, we really appreciate you coming on yeah. and talking about your story. Um, I knew I knew of it in high school and everything. I know we weren't as close, but you know, I know you were close with Dakota. Dakota was in JROTC, by the way. I don't really. Think he, he was. Yeah, he was one of my. Uh, he was one of my company commanders, I believe. Wow, yeah. he made that high up. I know how, especially how dumb Dakota is. That's really shocking. Challenge uh, Dakota. Hopefully, you listen to this one. Uh, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. My God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just from the stuff that Dakota's told me, Jervon told me a lot about. It. I know he was excited whenever I told him that you were going to be on the show, mm-hmm. um, and some other people that I spoke with that we went to school with and everything. Um, for you having to ability to talk about your story and getting over some of the adversaries that you had growing yeah. up and becoming who you are now, you're a terrific human being. You do very well for yourself and you're working your ass off and being, yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I know it's hard to hear. Get humbled over there. <laughs> yeah. You got give the credit where it's due. Absolutely. You've worked your ass off to get to the point where you're at now. And us over here at the athletes table podcast, we don't want you great luck going into the future. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to keep tabs on you. We love to have you on the show again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just don't forget about us when you're in the UFC fighting, you know, don't forget the small people over here. We'll definitely be there. <laughs> no, cheering never. You on. So. <laughs> never. I, I do. I do my very best not to forget anybody. No, so- we know we, we we hope and we want to see you in the UFC one day or any of the big tours that are still out there. Um, we we definitely wish you all the best of luck going forward in the next six months to a year of you know going back into fighting consistently now. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we definitely want we definitely want to see that. Oh yeah. But anybody else got anything before we close this out? No. I got it today. I want to do it today. Oh boy, here we go. Let's see if you can hold up to it. It's butcher time. And with that, this has been the Athletes Table Podcast. Deuces. Thank you, thank you. This is a Beyond Sports Media production. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube.